Well, good day, sunshines. It's Julie, back again with another episode of You're in Charge. And I'm, um, I was working on one episode, and it's been rolling around and not really coming to fruition. And then this morning, this afternoon, I'm coming into, uh, I'm just being called to talk about self-worth. All these stories keep popping up and um, people keep mentioning per- Mercury and retrograde, as I say, Mercury, Mercury and retrograde. I still don't totally get it. I'm like, I am spiritual. I am energetic. I'm, I'm all these things. And yet I'm still on the outskirts of it in a lot of ways. Um, I've got friends who are so into the astrology and moons and houses and second suns rising and, and squaring their, I don't even know. And I get it and I don't get it. Like, Hey, great. That's good for you. And they're like, well, no, if you just knew this, then, then you could understand what's happening with you. I'm like, dude, I'm living it. I'm like, what do you mean understanding what's happening with me? Like, I like I don't know. I don't get it. It just seems like micromanaging to me. Like, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. If it's not, it's not. Like, whatever. So that also brings me to this self-worth component that I wanted to talk about, which is about being in the now and and rather than in the past and in the future. So one thing about Mercury in retrograde is it's something about the planet moving in a way, shifts in a way that it looks like it's going in reverse. So it affects our communication, which means our technology, as well as our verbiage. And we might not have the right words, we might stumble, you know, that type of thing. So I just had a texting conversation with a friend of mine. And he was saying, oh, Mercury's in retrograde and this argument is going on and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I can't wait until Mercury goes direct, which A, cracks me up that a guy is is saying this stuff um, because here in New England, I mean, yeah, (laughs) if you can get a guy who's like, emotional quotient is is high that's that's exceptional but also to have the the energy and the spirituality and stuff that's that's off the charts for new england so and that's not a hit on new england it's just an as is it like it just is that's that's why we're here for a reason we're learning something we're supposed to be moving things forward and so I'm doing my part by having these conversations and the three of you that are listening will maybe take it into consideration and maybe not. I don't know, whatever. Um, I'm just going to continue having the conversation. But Mercury retrograde brings people back from the past. Now, that can be a tripping point for a lot of people because you can get into those old pieces. Sorry, I'm just distracted by a dump truck in my yard. Okay. So so actually, that's like the perfect metaphor. The dump truck. It could be trying to dump the shit back in your life from the past. And you have to know 
your self-worth. It's like it could be coming back saying, hey, did you learn this lesson? Are you going to accept this shit back into your life or are you going to continue on? And now that doesn't mean that everybody from the past is shit. It might mean that whatever you were working through in the past with them is coming back and for a revisit it which is why i bring up the new england thing the the male thing the all of this it's all kind of this it, it is the same thing it's the um we know not what we do and hurt people hurt people and you know you're doing the best that you can so if you weren't taught from those that raised you if you didn't learn that lesson how would you possibly know and you're going what did they teach you well they probably taught you they passed down what they believed was it's under the veil of reality Oh, well, be realistic and you, know, you, you need to make money and you need to, you know, forward this, go to college and do these things. And I'm not saying that making money is bad. I'm not saying that college is bad. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying they're going to give you the idea of what they believe success is, what's going to set you up well for your life. But they can't know the future. All they can do is know the past. And so they're going to build off of what they know from their past and what didn't work for them or what they thought would be better. So if your parents didn't go to college and they thought education, that level of education would get you further in life, they're probably going to be a proponent of college and they're going to force feed that to you. But I know a lot of people who got into the trades and didn't go to a four-year college or they just got an extended education or they didn't. Maybe they just learned it from the previous generations and it was a business that was handed down to them. And that has been very beneficial for them financially because they didn't have that college education price tag tailing behind them. I, there are people that I know, and I'm going into my 50s, well, next year. Okay, I just, I just turned 49 yesterday, as a matter of fact, so happy birthday to me. Whee! Anyway, I... How long it took me to pay off my student loans and I didn't have the egregious price tag that these kids have now and if you get into a career where you don't make money because I was a teacher at that point and teachers are not paid well so that price tag comes due and then you're supposed to re-educate yourself and get higher education and do the masters and blah, blah, blah. And now you're chasing debt on debt on debt. So being in the trades can be incredibly beneficial, but I'm, I'm derailing here. Um, 
the self-worth component. Uh, maybe I'm not derailing. Maybe it is just kind of a side step to it. I, I was called, well, what, I, what I'm seeing is, oh, forgive me. I'm, I'm just kind of piecing this together as, as I'm going. But I was talking with a teenage girl who, oof, She's got it going on. This girl is, she knows it already. I like, I'm, she made me so hopeful, so hopeful for our future because she knew her self-worth. Like I, I can see people, I can read people. I know when they're insecure. I was just out and about um, in, in town um, and where there's a large, um, homosexual population. And this is not a stereotype. This is just what I was noticing. The, in this town, the, the people were, um, very, very fit. Most of them. There's also the people that were not that fit. And I was telling a friend of mine, like, oh yeah, so they're really confident. And I'm like, actually, that's exactly what they want to make you believe they are. But the reason that they are that fit is because they are really not confident and they want to, they want the appearance of confidence. And I can feel into that and I can, I can feel the insecurity around them. And that's not to say that getting fit is a bad idea if you're insecure. No, it's a great idea. Feel confident wherever you can. But I'm going to tell you that I can see and feel the fake it till you make it. And you can't fake it till you make it with self-worth. You will attract crappy relationships, crappy jobs, and crappy relationships within those jobs. Familial, co-workers, romantic, it doesn't matter. If you don't know your self-worth, it, it's for naught. It, it is all for naught. So here's this teenage girl. And she was telling me stories and, um, and I, I believe I spoke of this a few episodes ago. Um, and oof, ah, oof. she tells me the story of a guy asking her to send pics. And we all know what that means. And she looked at the phone and with great clarity and great certainty and great confidence, she texted him back. And said in no uncertain terms that would not be happening. And she knew who his girlfriend was. And he's like, oh, don't tell her, don't tell her, blah, blah, blah. Well, good for her, she told. And what really took a turn and really unsettled me was the female that she told, the girlfriend, apologized for him, said, he doesn't know what he's doing, and I love him. It'll be fine. And a long time ago, when I was teaching, you'd see these romances at this age, and I asked a girl at one point who was in a relationship, and she was all bubbly, and, oh, it was just delightful. And I said, 
what do you like about him? And she all but, oh my God, <laughs> at me and said, he likes me. Insides just oh, liquidated right there. I just was like, oh God, no. And I'm like, oh honey, what you like what you like about him is that he likes you, he chose you. And what's what I'm seeing is that line of thinking doesn't get overcome in our lives very easily, not without a great amount of inner learning, inner salvation, and like really deep diving into who you are, what, what, you, what you love, what, what got covered up about you in order to survive this society's conditioning. What is your truth that you don't see? And the root of that is the self-worth component. If you don't know your self-worth, and you do know your self-worth when you are a child, you just know it because it just is. You just, you know, if you want a popsicle, you ask for a popsicle. Not because you think, oh, well, I'm undeserving or I'm deserving of it at this moment, so therefore I will ask for a popsicle. Nah, you just know that's what I want. I'm going to ask for it. And you're either going to get it or you're not, but you're not going to stop yourself from asking. Well, along the lines somewhere as we're growing up we get this idea that we don't even deserve to ask for the popsicle or whatever the treat is whatever the thing is that we desire because we feel we're not worthy so here's this girl in a relationship i mean and i really loosely use the that term because it's it's a relationship it's it's Oh, that's the hard way that we learn our worth. And that was one story that, that was coming to me. And, and I had a personal run-in way back in the 90s with a malignant narcissist. I mean, this guy, I, if, I, if I see him out, and I do occasionally see him out, and there's been a time when there's been nobody else around. I will look the other way and pass right by him without a word. And I told you, judge me by those that I ignore. I ignore this SOB. And here's why. Aside from the fact, no, I won't even tell that story. Um, this guy back in the 90s when I was I moved out to Colorado and I was in the relationship at that point and um he when we were getting back together and I didn't know it at this point that he had another girlfriend at the same time that he was dating me both when I was here and when I was in Colorado and then when I came back and that's that's one thing that's one thing that I would like you gentlemen to know about is women talk women who really don't even like each other if they unite against 
the same son of a bitch, you best duck and cover. They, they will talk. And what you really don't want is a drunk woman. You don't want to make her cry out in public when she's drunk because she will go into that bathroom and start bawling her eyes out. And if you get a whole bunch of drunk women in a bathroom, honey, there will be an uprising. If the world was run by drunk women, we would have fun and we would get shit done. Because women will bond in seconds in a bathroom when they are drunk. They'll tell you about their lipstick shade or they'll compliment each other on whatever they're wearing. And if, God forbid, there is a woman in there that is crying her eyes out, they will unite and be like, where is that son of a bitch? I will tell him, I will tell him them from them. I will make him pay. And they will have met her exactly 60 seconds prior to that before they have come to that conclusion. So don't, don't mess with women. We will find out. And you don't want to be at that wrath. Now, this guy is a malignant narcissist. This guy was premeditated in what he was doing. And that makes him somebody that I will ignore through and through. And yeah, I will never do any harm to anybody because that's who I am. But if harm befalls them organically, I I will stand by and I will have my popcorn ready and I will watch the entertainment unfold for sure. So this guy says to me at one point, he says, what would you do if I hit you? And I didn't even think, I didn't even bat an eye thinking how completely fucked that question was. I just knew inside of myself, I knew at least that my line of self-worth was at physical abuse. That one I was aware of. If somebody hit me, they'd do it once and that would be the end of it. Because I knew that is not going anywhere else. What took me decades to understand is emotional abuse. And emotional abuse is much more insidious. It is subversive. It's elusive. It is convoluted. So you can get into the whole sciencey terms of it. You can get into if you've been stonewalled or gaslit or, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter what terms you put on it because that's really just getting you up in your head and making you think that you're the problem. But if you feel on a regular basis with somebody depressed, anxious, disempowered, and just generally devalued, and this is, these are your feelings. This is how you feel. It doesn't matter what was said. It doesn't matter if it's the same conversation on repeat or if it's different conversation, if you walk away from those conversations, nine times out of 10, a lot of times 10 out of 10, and you feel like crap about yourself, I can pretty much guarantee you are being emotionally abused. 
And that is a tough one to contend with because you cannot see emotional abuse. And emotional abuse is not warranted in our quote unquote legal system. And I call it a legal system because it is not a justice system. There is not justice handed out in our legal system, especially in the case of abuse, relationships, divorce, that type of thing. It's, there's a prejudgment that happens. And I've seen it firsthand and I will avoid the court system at all cost. It does not mean that I have not gone into it. It does not mean I have not fought my battles and I would fight them again, but I know what I'm entering into. I know what it looks like. So back to this guy stating to me, what would you do if I hit you? Now, mind you, he was over six feet tall and had 50 pounds on me easy. And my statement back to him was, you could hit me and you'd probably win, but you can bet your sweet ass that you're gonna look like you're in a fight because I don't go down without a fight, except for the emotional abuse. I went down without a fight because I didn't know it was happening. Now, he was just one of a string of narcissists that would undermine me. And like I said, they know not what they do. Now, this one, I think he knew exactly what he was doing because in order to ask that question, you have to be thinking about actually causing physical harm to somebody. What the fuck is wrong with you if that is what you are thinking? Not in an instant, not in a reactionary, oh God, I just did something that I can't undo type of way. He was actually contemplating wanting to overpower me. Like I said, somebody who was six inches shorter than him at least and 50 pounds lighter than him, he was thinking about hitting me. What a piece of shit you have to be in order to do that type of thing. And if that is the type of relationship you are in, get out. Do anything, do everything you can to get out. I don't care if all you have is your wallet and the clothes on your back and whatever kids or pets are in tow. That's it. Get out. Please get out of that situation. The world will provide for you in some way. You have to have that faith. Find a safe haven. But knowing your worth, I knew my worth physically in that moment. The emotional stuff, knowing what you're worth thereafter is much more of a finessing. And trust me when I tell you, you are worth it. You're worth whatever your desires are. It doesn't matter if it's that popsicle or to be authentically loved by somebody. If you have that desire, it's because it's meant for you.
It's not because you're worthless or that the, the world, the universe, spirit, God, the refrigerator light, I don't care. Those are not against you. What is against you is your own lack of self-worth and your own misgivings towards yourself. So if you want to sabotage anything good in your life, the quickest way there is fear and insecurity and lack of self-worth. So how do you find your self-worth? You find where you know your self-worth isn't, if that's your starting point. If you are fortunate enough to know what your self-worth is, if you are gifted with your own self-awareness, hail to you. I applaud you in the biggest, most authentic way possible, because that is an achievement that should not be taken away from you. And don't ever hand it over to anybody, to anybody. So those are the stories that I was called to talk about. And I was, um, I was hedging about saying it because this isn't just my life. But that person that I was speaking of in my life, if he wanted me to speak better of him, I should have behaved better. And I'm getting more about that, but coming from a small town and knowing how people can and have and will pit their issues against you, you tend to tread lightly. So Knowing your self-worth, if you are in a situation, if you have a thought like that young woman has of, oh, I love him and he doesn't know what he's doing, oh, you're going to have a hard road ahead of you because more of those lessons are going to be coming toward you. And if you are of the more mature audience level, age-wise, and you find yourself, your inner child, your inner teenager, having those conversations with yourself still to this day, whether you're on dating apps or in a relationship, and you think, oh, well, you know, it's okay. He, you know, he can date a couple other people or, um, you know, yeah, he, he picked me or, oof. it's not about them choosing you. It's about you choosing you. I knew enough with that bastard to know I was worth not being in a relationship where somebody was going to even contemplate hitting me. And I got out of that. But I didn't know that I didn't need to keep proving myself, keep trying to please anyone and everyone like I was undeserving of love. 
that young woman feels undeserving of love. He chose her to be his girlfriend in theory, in word only, because he's not being faithful. He's not being true to her. And you deserve somebody who's going to be faithful, loyal, trusting, loving. And that has to begin with you. So please let it begin with you. If you're not sure what your stumbling blocks are, I would be more than happy to air that with you, to be able to hold that space and show you the roadblocks that I'm seeing and help get you over those hurdles because we're all dealing with this. We're all learning. Our previous generations didn't know to look for self-worth. They knew to survive. They knew what they knew. They were doing the best that they could. They know not what they do. Nothing wrong with that. And there's so many things that they've done right, too. So we just have to make an amalgamation of it all. What did they do right? What are we doing right? Let's pull it all together and have it work for all of our highest and best. And how do you know what's highest and best? Go back to the now. And I picture a triangle, an upside down triangle with now on the bottom as like the fulcrum, the, the balancing point. Be in the now, and it's, it is, it's hard to, to kind of balance back into that. And it's a very narrow point. But when you're on that, then the top two points of this upside down triangle would be past and future. And those balance out. And you're not in the past and you're not in the future. And those are the only places that you can sabotage yourself. If you are in the now, you literally cannot sabotage yourself. You, your gremlins, your demons, your, your you know, niggling little thoughts that, that are subversive and will self-sabotage you. Those aren't there. They can't be there. They cannot live in the present, in the now. So when you are in the now, you're balanced. If it tips to either the past or the future, you're out of balance. And there's your gauge. It's not a you did wrong or you did right. It was, it's a balancing point. We need to pull away from right, wrong, black, white, good, bad. Those are illusions. It's all lessons. We're all just trying to improve, to be better, to be fulfilled and happy and loved and loving and exchange those things. And then when we do that successfully, all the other stuff falls in line. The time crunches, the monetary gain um, of, you know, so that we can feel stable, be stable, not just feel it, but actually truly be it. It all stems from the here and the now. The other thing is on the upside down triangle. If you are having faith, if you are truly trusting in yourself and in knowing, believing that things are going to work out, that would be at the bottom of that triangle, at that point of the upside down triangle. 
And again, I hesitate to use spirit, universe, God, divine, Allah, Buddha, whatever your faith is, because some people don't believe in that. And that's okay. It doesn't matter what you call it. It matters about what it is inside of you and that you access that. So that's having faith in yourself, trust in yourself, knowing in yourself. And that's at the bottom of that upside down triangle and the fulcrum, the balancing point. And if what's at the top of those two of that triangle are mind and body. So if you are too much in the mind, again, it tips. If you are too much in the body, that tips. But if you are in that spirit, that knowing, that guidance, that fuels and grounds both the body and the mind, and you are in balance. So staying in faith and in trust and in the now is the way to your self-worth, to self-love, self-acceptance, and everything else starts to work itself out. Now, here's the kicker. When you start to do these things and you are really in a groove and you are rocking and rolling on this, shit is going to hit your proverbial fan like you have never seen before. Why? Because you are upsetting the proverbial apple cart. You are now changing the dynamic for everybody around you. And they just want the status quo because that is the ego, the mind, the reptilian brain, the the thing that says protect this, this being status quo. It's not really protecting your highest and best good. It's just protecting the status quo as it's always been, as it was handed down from generation to generation to generation. Doesn't mean that it's in the highest and best, doesn't mean that it's great for everybody involved. It just means it's always been, so that's what we're going to protect. Well, when you do that, that means that other people have to start changing because you've changed. And more than likely, if you're doing the changing, you've been the one holding it all together for very many people, people that you wouldn't even realize that you're holding it together for. And when you stop holding it together for them, because that's what's going to happen when you realize your self-worth, because then you stop accepting crappy behavior from other people. And it's not that you're not accepting of them. It's that you're not accepting of the crappy behavior. So they don't necessarily have to go. In the case of that ex of mine, he had to go. And if you got somebody like that, exit stage left. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. So if you've got somebody like that, out. If it's just behaviors, then you're going to hold a boundary. That is a healthy, self-loving, self-worthy thing to do. And that is the first and foremost thing that you need to do in order to love yourself, in order to find and hold your self-worth as you, for you, your peace, your joy. Hold those boundaries and people are going to start freaking out. That is actually your cue that says, I am on the right track. 
And that's really counterintuitive because you think, if I'm on the right track, shouldn't things start to feel really good? Shouldn't things improve? Shouldn't I feel better? Yeah, not so much. Not so much. Um, after I got my divorce, I went through, um, there was three weeks that I was literally unable to get off the couch except to go to the bathroom or to go to the bed. And that was an emotional healing as that was presenting physically. I was so ill because I had been enduring so much emotional abuse for so long that my whole body was just in a completely stressed out state. And just like when you go on vacation from a job that you've been working for a really long time, suddenly you get sick and you're like, what the hell? All this time, your body was dying for you to take that break. And now that it's got it, it's going to get sick on you. And that's not a bad thing, except that we term it a bad thing. It's actually a healthy response. It's actually a purging, a clearing, and we need more of these clearings. And this is to the guys that are listening. You guys were conditioned. The gentlemen, the male population were conditioned to not have emotional responses. You know the gamut of things that you've been told. Suck it up. Real men don't cry, rub some dirt in it, keep on going, walk it off, cowboy up. I don't give a crap what it is. You know the rigmarole. And that was to say, you're not supposed to be soft and emotions make you soft. No, 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 no. Actually, I'm going to tell you it's the reverse. When you have to man up and all that bullshit that you guys are sold, that makes you soft because what happens is you you deny a natural, innate part of you. So you've been suppressing your emotions your entire life. You've been groomed to, to ignore those emotions. And so now, as an adult, you're afraid of unleashing those emotions because, oh my God, it's never going to stop. Well, just like that healthy response of if you have a fever during a sickness, that's burning out the germs that are inside of you. It's a healthy response. If it hangs on too long, two days at like over, you know, 101, that is bad. Go to the hospital. If it's hanging at around 101, let it burn take some ice baths, do whatever, um, to just get your core body temperature down a little bit. Try not to take any Tylenol um, if it, unless it goes over 101 degrees, then, because then it starts to get a little dicey. But if you just let your body have the response, it's a healthy response. Your autoimmune is doing its job. It is burning off the cells that are attacking you. Well, just like that in our emotional body, 
we have an attacking system, but it ends up showing up physically. So your cortisol levels will rise. Your insulin levels will rise then in order to combat the cortisol levels and so on and so forth. And then we crave sugar and carbs and blah, blah, blah. Hey, did I tell you that this all started with your emotions? Mm -hmm. If you eat a natural, healthy, balanced diet with complex carbs, not the simple carbs, not the things that turn immediately to sugar, that would be alcohol, raw cane sugar, anything, um, the breads and um, pastas, stuff like that. Those are simple. Those immediately turn to sugar in your body. Spikes everything up and then crashes after that. And then you need to get on that again with more caffeine and more carbs, so on and so forth. That's a whole nother spiel. But your emotions are yours. They are there for the exact same reason that you need to sleep. There's road signs, signals, balancing points. It's all supposed to be in harmony. It's supposed to be this way. You need sleep because your body recovers at that time. You grow, you heal, you replenish every system in your body at night. That's why you need six to eight hours of sleep. Some of us need a little less than that. Some of us need more than that. You know yourself. You know how much you need to take care of yourself. Here's the thing. We are conditioned to push those responses off. We're supposed to be doing. There's more to achieve. We have to blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? There's always going to be more to achieve. There's going to be more dishes to do, more house to clean, more money to make, another job to fix. What it, whatever it is that you do, if you sell houses, if you buy houses, if you fix houses, if there's something in the house that you fix, if there is something that you need to sell, I, it doesn't, doesn't matter. There's always going to be another something to do, to fix, to solve. So if they, whoever needs that thing done, are not taking care of you, who is? You need to take care of you. You need to find your self-worth. You need to love you. You need to do those things. And those demons are going to come up into your brain and they're going to say, you can't do that. And then they're going to elicit the regular responses of guilt and shame in your head. And they're going to tell you all the reasons that you suck and why you can't take that vacation and why you can't just lay on the couch and watch Netflix and why you can't take a nap or just go for a walk or enjoy a gorgeous sunny day instead of a snow day, the allowed days off. You know what? You're allowed to take care of you. I want you to take care of you. I'm giving you permission to take care of you. Please do that. Please do that. Because, oh, that's the other thing. We are conditioned on the inverse. Women are conditioned to give, to take care of, to please, 
when they are the ones who are supposed to be receiving. Now, that doesn't mean that the women are supposed to be sitting on the couch with their feet up, eating bonbons type of receiving. It means it's an energetic reception. It's Go back to the, like the, the idea of courting just popped into my head. And there used to be a, a time, an era, when men would court women. They saw what was attractive to them for whatever reason, and then they would court her. They wouldn't sleep with her. They wouldn't, you know, it just off and wed her, whatever. However, that was the idea. But they were giving to her poetry and reading, and they might bring flowers or write letters or different things. There was that's the type of receiving that I'm talking about. And with the men, they are taught to receive rather than to go and do. These are inverse. This is actually a huge issue. Why things are so out of balance. We are naturally attuned innately to be the giver or the receiver. And we have this inside of ourselves. I've told you this before, the yin and the yang, the divine feminine and the divine masculine are inside of ourselves. And so you have one side of you that is the giver, which is the masculine side of you. And then you have the feminine side of you, which is the receiver. When those are in balance, that's also where you find your self-worth. It is a trick. It is a long process. I'm hoping to make it a little shorter for some of you. My process has been long and grueling, and I would not wish this journey on anybody, but here I am. So <laughs> I'm going to try and help you guys out. Anyway, self-worth, knowing your appropriate internal response, be it physical, like when you get sick from a virus, a cold, a flu, you, there's a natural core response. The emotional response is the one that, that I want you to understand a little bit more of today. There's so much more to it, so much more to it, but this scratches the surface a little bit more and we keep on rolling. Your emotional body needs to be taken care of. And when it's not, when it's being taken advantage of and, and abused by somebody outside of you, by some bodies outside of you, because we're taught to do this too. It happens in our common culture with, uh, let's go back to the middle school and the, the mean girls. That's a conditioned response. That's an emotional abuse. When you are cutting somebody out at the knees so that you can feel taller, that's emotional abuse. We need to acknowledge within ourselves our greatness and what makes us unique and uncover those things that we thought needed to be hidden away from the world. And there's a, a great Shel Silverstein poem, and I believe, again, I've used this before, but I'm going to keep going back to it. It's called Masks. And I, although I can't, recall it right off the top of my head. I just saw it the other day again. 
it, um, it's something about um, he was blue and she was blue and and um, they passed he, he wore his mask and she did too and they passed on by and they never knew and what it's saying is don't hide who you are because when you do we're all conditioned with those masks we all put them on in order to survive our culture our society our families our whatever we're raised with and your true self is underneath of there and if you don't show that then somebody else who is also that true that true blue if you will you're not going to see it in them because they're hiding behind their mask and we have to be brave enough we have to be courageous enough to take those masks off to know that that doesn't belong to us and it's a very scary thing to take those masks off because what if we're not accepted what if we're rejected what if we're abandoned and that brings us to our core wounding when we are children the thing that we were rejected by and it doesn't have to be rational it can we could have created this belief a million different ways but it happened and so then we were taught oh there's a mask over there i'll hide behind this mask because then i won't be seen and i that hurt that i just experienced won't come at me again but it will and it does it comes at you in a million different ways it comes at you through your relationships it comes at you through your finances it comes at you in every way and when you start to truly accept who you are, love who you are, know your self-worth, then things start to right themselves. The finances, the flow of energy, the relationships, it all starts to right themselves because now you've got your mask off and your vision is clear and you can see others who are doing the same thing that you are. There's only a few of us right now that are doing this, but the more of us that do it, the better it becomes, the easier it becomes. So I'm inviting you to take off your masks. I'm inviting you to see who you truly are and love that person in all of his or her or their flaws and all the beauty that comes with that be yourself i don't care if you're an extrovert or an introvert i don't care what race or color creed you are it doesn't matter we are all human and i'll get into how we all connect some other time but for now please accept my invitation to yourself to loving yourself and I'm going to leave you in charge. Take care.